Welcome. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church and today and for the summer in our chapel. Remember what one of the psalmists said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He wrote that while he was in exile in faraway Babylon. He may not have had a good week. It may not have been a good day. But that day, he said it's a gift from God. It's the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today on this Trinity Sunday, we begin worship doing exactly that, singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, let's stand together and sing.
please join me now in reading our litany of invitation and confession in your worship program. We lift our voices in joyful praise to God who creates, redeems, and loves. God and in God's love, we live and move and have our being. Through Jesus Christ, we experience the abundant life and love of God. We experience the grace of God in Christ and give thanks. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will never be without God. God promised never to leave or forsake us. And God's promise is true. We worship God in three persons, transcendent creator, liberating redeemer, and intimate spirit. We join our voices with all the company of heaven, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And yet we also confess that our worship and witness has not always been faithful. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Brothers and sisters, here is the good news of the gospel. We are forgiven. May our lives reflect the light of God's never-ending grace, and may our spirits be renewed from this moment on. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church and in our chapel, as I said a moment ago, for in the summers we come to our chapel, which provides an intimate experience of worship and connection with each other, and oh, just wait till you hear us sing. As we sing and as we praise and as we listen, we do so in praise to God. So welcome. Welcome especially if you are a guest today. I think we have some sitting among us, and so we're glad that you're here and share in this time of worship. Uh, there is on the edge of your order of service a response card, a welcome card. If you're a guest, if you can put your name there, it'll help me connect a name and face with you, and that would be a gift. Also, for any of you who would like to be prayed for this week, there's a place you can place prayer requests there. And it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need uh, every week. You can drop that in the offering plate as well. Uh, as we welcome folk, I sure am glad to see J.B. Gilbert here especially. J.B. has had surgery and is recovering and is recovered enough to be in worship today. And so it is with Dr. Radar B. Ornard. We're glad that you are able to be here, Radar. Uh, just know that when you're 101, you get called out in church. And so, Radar, we are glad you're here. And Larry, thank you for bringing him. 
Um, well, it's a special day, one, it's Father's Day, right? Uh, and a new Grandfather's Day for you, Don. <laughs> you didn't know grandfathers got applauded on this day, did you? Is Sid here today? She is not. Well, uh, tell her that we applaud in our hearts for Sid, um, a, new, a new grandfather. Uh, and so welcome uh, to the fathers who have been uh, celebrated or will be celebrated, or all of us have memories of our fathers uh, that we remember today. Also, it's Trinity Pres Trinity, uh, not Presbyterian. <laughs> That's over there. If I had a nine iron, I could hit Trinity Presbyterian right through those woods. It's Trinity Sunday today, uh, one of the more interesting days on the church calendar year. Uh, Martin Marty used to say, it's the most preached on day by associate pastors than any other day in the church year because pastors don't want to take on the topic. But it's Trinity Sunday. Part of our celebration, usually we have white pyramids on Trinity Sunday, but today they're green because these are brand new. Our pyramids committee led by uh, uh, Billy. Where is Billy? There is Billy, hiding behind Donette. Uh, helped make these pyramids possible. And, and it's, it's still a... Uh, uh, cottage industry to get these made. And so we're going to have the green pyramids throughout the summer. Thank you. Listen up as we hear the text today. Uh, the second text is uh, the uh, lesson from uh, Romans chapter 5 that uh, I'll be preaching from, also the gospel that I'll be preaching from. But we begin our service, the first scripture is from Psalm 8, that wonderful text that speaks of the grandeur of God uh, the work of God's fingers, and that somehow in that great story, God has time for us human beings. That's how we'll begin right now. Welcome. The psalmist reflects on the majesty of God and the place of human beings in God's great world. A reading from a psalm. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals, that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Here ends the first lesson. And now, let us pray. O oh Lord, on this Trinity Sunday, full of awe, wonder, and praise, we come to you in prayer with our heart and heads full. On this beautiful June morning and Father's Day, we come to contemplate and to worship you and your great threefold love for us. 
Creator, Savior, and Holy Spirit. One God, yet full, three full persons, each and all, full of love for us. In the busyness of the summer season, we gather here this day, and we pause in these precious moments of prayer. We remember those who are not here today in our midst, and we pray blessings upon their journeys that they may return safely to this community of faith. We remember those who are not here today in our midst, kept from us by injury or illness, and we pray for their healing and wholeness, and we anticipate with joy the day they return to worship and pray with us. On this day, we awake to a world frantic and whirling around us. As it spins, we find in our communities, our friendships, our families, and our world little rest. Each day seems to dawn anew, not in peace, but in a flurry of unrest, tension, and conflict. O oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, our plea for your peace, a balm to heal this world. In these moments, Lord, we pray that as your disciples, you teach us not just to pray for your peace, but to usher it into this world as a commission, hopeful, and joyful people of God. O oh Lord, as we depart from this faith community this week, keen to share the great love of our great God with the children of, Tal of Tolliver, grant us, your disciples, gifts of joy and laughter as we serve in your name with passion, faithfulness, and love. And now, together, as disciples of our one triune God, let us lift our voices, boldly praying the prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Regardless of what life brings us, God's love can turn difficult times into hope. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Here ends the second lesson. Children, would you please come forward at this time? We're going to be right here this morning on these steps. And y'all can be right here, right in front. 
right here. We rolled out the red carpet for you. What do you think? Pretty good? Yes. If y'all have an offering, y'all can pass it to Pastor Daniel and he'll put in a plate. Well, today, like we already said, is a Trinity Sunday. And we are talking about God in three persons. What does that mean? Does he have three split personalities? We don't know. Some people are still thinking about that, me included. So, we, but today, I, I have a book, and sometimes this kind of helps me to think about what I think the Trinity to be. Some people think of it some ways, and some people think of it some other ways, and today, we're going to think of it this way. So, this is my book, and it's called Three in One, A Picture of God. I'm going to hold it up so everybody here can see it. Okay, so let's open it to this page. Okay, it says, here is one apple. There is only one true God. The apple has three parts, the peel, the flesh, and the core. And the one true God has three persons, God the Father or God the Creator, and God the Son, or Jesus the Savior, and God the Holy Spirit. And some people call that the Holy Ghost, but don't be afraid. <laughs> so, so today I brought an, I brought an apple to, sh to show you what the inside of the apple looks like. So when we think about God, he's one whole God, right? And like our book said, when we look inside... We've got the peel, and the peel kind of protects the apple, right? It keeps the inside all together, keeps the core together until I cut it open, right? And then inside we have the seeds here. And sometimes I like to think of the seeds, like the Holy Spirit. And then I think of like the flesh, the good stuff here, Jesus the Savior. And I like to think of the peel, like God, who kind of protects and holds everything together. And... Uh, so, do you have a question, Aaron? Yes. You could. You could think of it like that. You could plant the seeds of the Holy Spirit and get some more apple seeds or some more faith. Good question, Aaron. Or you can take one of these apples, and when you eat one, you think about how sweet it tastes and how good God's love is for all of us and the whole world. Okay? So, taste the sweetness of God. He's just one God, but three persons but only one God, okay? Trinity Sunday. Let's have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for your amazing Trinity that you bring to us, and thank you for helping us uh, believe in you. Help us to remember how sweet your love is and how much you have for this whole world. In your name we pray, amen.
Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will teach the disciples and guide them into all the truth. A reading from the Gospel according to John. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm always grateful and do not want to take for granted all that it takes for us to move from the sanctuary to the chapel each year. My theology is sort of like the shoemaker and the elves. You know, I just go to bed, wake up, and it all appears. And, but it takes a lot more than that for Billy Davis and the Paramount Committee to make possible having the proper paraments as well as the candles and the flowers and all things, including the sound system, and Brian and the committee uh, uh, help with that. I want to make sure everybody can hear well enough. Is it going okay? Good enough? All right. Well, I think Andrea pretty much covered the topic, <laughs> so we're done. You wish. <laughs> the sermon today is sort of at the intersection of Trinity Sunday and Father's Day, some of you might say, well, that's a fairly natural fit. And after all, Jesus referred to God frequently as Father. New Testament writers picked up on that and used it in many of the epistles and the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we just uh, said, our Father who art in heaven. So maybe so. For me, the challenge has been to hold this day, Trinity, Father's, and these texts in hand and see how they come together. So the thesis is, being a dad is difficult, but also it is for God. Being a dad is difficult and delightful, but being so is also that for God. Why is being a dad so difficult these days? Well, uh, for one thing, uh, there are not many good public examples of fathers that I see. Uh, perhaps so, maybe I'm just watching the wrong things, but I think about how some uh, of you younger than I, growing up watching uh, on television, America's dad, Dr. Huxtable, that'd be Bill Cosby, and yet the accusations and then the conviction and now the prison time have sort of tainted that image of America's dad. Some of us growing up in the 70s, well, let's see, Archie Bunker? Is that a role type for dad? I think not. Or maybe spanning two decades, Homer Simpson? Don't. That doesn't fit either. It seems like what we see about fathers these days that they are either a punching bag or a punchline for a joke. Seems that few live long enough to live into 
becoming wise patriarchs, but there are plenty that just become grumpy old men. I remember in the 50s, some of you some of you've read about that in, your, in the history books, that between 54 and 60, that was a, there were a lot of dad shows on television. And I guess the pinnacle of the temple was Father Knows Best. Yeah, with Robert Young and Jane Wyatt. And they had three kids, two teenagers and then a, uh, a younger daughter. Um, in the, in the 50s, we, I would go over to my grandmother's house. She had a television, and we would look at this little grainy black-and-white television and watch what can happen in a 30-minute sitcom. And maybe all of life was like that, I thought. You know, you could pose a problem, deal with it creatively, and then uh, in a half hour or so, all was right with the world. Robert Young wanted the television show to end, the title to end with a question mark. Like, father knows best? Question mark? Because he knew that for most of the families, uh, perhaps most of our families, it's the mom who runs things in the household. And so he wanted that nuance. But the, the program sponsor in the 50s would not hear of it. They thought it kind of compromised gender roles and morality. The sponsor was Kent Cigarettes. Kent cigarettes were the first cigarettes that were a filtered cigarette. And get this, they were known for the Micronite filter made of blue asbestos. So their high morals would not allow them to uh, cast a shadow on the roles of gender and family. And so, as one commentator said, Jim Anderson, the character of Robert Young, was granted omniscience. Father knows best. So it's hard to figure out what does it mean to be a good father. Maybe it is difficult for all of us and even difficult for God. For to stay spiritually aware of what is going on in God's world, to be a leader of the family, I say it is also a work in progress. For all of us fathers, for all of us grandfathers, and for all of us who have had fathers, it's a work in progress even for God. One of my favorite scriptures is from Romans 5. You heard Donette read it a little bit earlier. Romans 5, it speaks of the, what? Uh, the equation of hope. And how is it that we get to hope? Is it by waving a magic wand and suddenly... Oof, it's there. No, it starts with suffering, which produces endurance, endurance, which produces character, character, which produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. This past Wednesday in the, in the Bible study, Ken Brandt said this was his favorite scripture. And I asked him, well, why is it your favorite scripture? And he said, because I've lived it. Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. What was it that Hemingway said in Farewell to Arms? Life breaks us all, but some grow strong in the broken places. Or how was it that John Newton put it to poetry? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, but tis grace 
that has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I remember now nearly seven years ago uh, where a bunch of us were gathered in Chris Graham's, uh, my friend's, living room. Uh, he died of ALS just a few months later, and we didn't know how long it would be. He was sitting there in the wheelchair with the CPAP machine on, speaking a few words then, speaking a few more. But in the room was Walter Brueggemann, a friend of Chris, who had come down to spend three days with Chris and Carol. Uh, a friend of ours, Susanna Davis, who is the pastor of a UCC congregation in town, was saying, Dr. Brueggemann, I've appreciated the books you've written, and he's written more than 50 books. I appreciate the books you've written, but in particular, I appreciate what you said about the, the journey of many of the Psalms, how the psalm starts with a homeostasis, an orientation. Praise God for what is in the world and all is going right. Praise God. That's my orientation. But then often they shift, the psalmist shift to a, a disorientation where the enemies come or illness arrives or the sleepless nights haunt us. The problems overwhelm us. Our friends forsake us. Disorientation. But then by the time you get to the end of the psalm, it has made a new turn to reorientation. Now that I have been through the suffering and the endurance and the character times, I have survived and I've discovered a greater reality than I knew than before the suffering. I have a reorientation to life that though God didn't remove the suffering, God with God's presence, gave me strength to get through it. She said that to him, and, and Walter Brueggemann said, well, thank you very much. He always, to me, sounded like uh, George C. Scott on Patton. Yeah, thank you very much. And he said, uh, of all the writing I've done, my hunch is what I'll be most remembered for is that. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. I think this kind of, lack of a better word, evolution is true for God as well. I would call it the memoir of God as we do characters with character. Some theologians say that God in God's own self has grown and is growing and is maturing. Now, I know that for some it may not fit the words that you love a lot. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. But as you know, those words aren't in the Bible. Those are words we have imposed upon it. I remember when Bill Moyers did that Genesis Conversations way back, uh, when was that, the 80s, I guess? Uh, and he had these theologians and poets and historians, and they were looking at Genesis 1 through 11. And one of them said, you know, the first part of the Bible, those 11 chapters, it's like God is, is having to figure out how to be God and in particular, how to relate to this very peculiar animal that God made called the human being. Even in the flood story, after the flood story, God gets mad, sends the flood, wipes out everybody, but a few animals and Noah and his family, that afterward God says, I'm not going to do that anymore, and puts the rainbow in the sky as a promise, but read the text. It's not to remind people. It's to remind God. 
God saying, I put this bow in the heavens so that I will not forget and do this again to humankind. Forty times in the Hebrew Scriptures is that interesting Hebrew word, repent, God repented. Now, it could be God changed God's mind, like in the destruction of Nineveh. But it's still God is thinking one, and because of an experience with this world, God says, well, I repent of that. I'm going to do that different next time. I like to imagine that if we're going to call God Father, as Jesus did, that even God on Father's Day, we can name, is changing and growing. Daniel and I were talking the other day. He had read, read a book about the, the, the changing that, that took place in the, the Jewish world uh, during the Roman occupation, during the time of the writing of the New Testament, that if the theology is that God is always going to bring about domination through violence, which has been some of the Old Testament story, then how is that working for them to go year after year with the Romans and God not invert that again? And so they began to work on their theology. Maybe there's another way God is with us rather than domination through violence. Maybe it's through participation. Not accidentally, it's about that time Jesus of Nazareth comes on the scene, and that is the story. That is the, that's the good news he preaches. The kingdom of God has come near you. It's a whole new narrative. God being present with us while we are suffering. Remember, orientation, disorientation, but ah, a reorientation. Some of you who want to, uh, uh, you know, eat your spinach and plenty of uh, asparagus and other good things for you, this afternoon, Google Father Richard Rohr, Roman Catholic uh, Benedictine monk and priest who is about as prolific as Walter Brueggemann, who has written a lot. Some of you get his daily emails, and it's, it's fascinating, invigorating. And he often writes about the Trinity and new images and ways of thinking about the Trinity. For instance, I want to read you what he said about this in particular. History has so long operated with a static and imperial image of God, a supreme monarch who is mostly living in splendid isolation from what he, and then he adds parenthetically, God is always envisioned as male, close parenthesis, created, a critical spectator, and God's followers do their dead-level best to imitate God in this regard the critical spectator. Rohr says, we need desperately to have a new paradigm shift for how we relate to God. This paradigm, he says, is hiding in plain sight. It is as close to us as the revelation of God that we call Trinity, but barely understand. He said, instead of God being the eternal threatener, God is the ultimate participant in everything, both the good and the painful. Instead of an omnipotent monarch watching life happen from afar and judging it, well, what about God being inherent in life itself, he asks. The life energy, the love energy between each and every object. Instead of a small God preoccupied with exclusion, 
What if the Trinity reveals God as inclusive and with us in all of life instead of standing on the sidelines critiquing things that belong and that don't belong? God is the very one whom we have named Trinity, the flow who flows through everything without exception and who has done so since the beginning. For those who have learned to see, everything is holy now. You may have to see that in print before you break out in amens. But I think it offers different lenses to look at our models for God and that opens our hearts to how God is already participating with with us. This may be our greatest gift to our sons and daughters as fathers, to be a father who is being transformed in his experience with God, we, we as fathers. We are a work in progress. I don't see the New Testament as a conclusion anymore. I once did. There, that settles that. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Period. Rather, I see the New Testament as our window into a workshop. And you can peer through the window and see the New Testament writers working to figure out their theology, to figure out what do they believe. You you can see the splinters on the floor. You can smell the sawdust through the window. You can hear the of the saws on their theology, trying to hammer and saw it out. I like what Leonard Hodgson, an Anglican theologian who taught at Oxford years ago, who said that the church had a Trinitarian experience with God before it had a Trinitarian theology of God. In other words, there they were, uh, sitting in catacombs, celebrating communion, talking about Jesus of Nazareth that their fathers and grandfathers told them about, of how being with him, why it was practically like being with God walking among us. And as we break this bread and drink from this cup, even though there are just two or three of us gathered, why it, it is like there's a fourth one present. It is like Christ is here, the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, this Jesus Christ, is not disconnected from the old-fashioned God of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, that it's more of who that God is and has become among us. I like that. In John 16, the gospel text you heard read, it's that text where Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples. And he's saying, now I'm going to be leaving you. And they sound like little kids where the parent has said, the babysitter is going to go be with you. And they go, uh, but uh, who, who will stay with us? Uh, or where are you going to go? Uh, can we go too? Uh, uh, will we be okay? Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit will bring you into all truth and in this word saying, uh, I have more to say to you now, but you can't bear it, Jesus says. Uh, uh, in the gospel according to Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. Jesus says that, but the Spirit can and will help you handle it. 
I love it that our vision statement says that, that we wrote, I don't know, 15 years, 12 years ago, that we called upon as we walked through our days of discovery and discernment when it came to gender and sexuality and same-sex marriage. That, that line, the first line from our vision that says, God calls us into Christian community to discern and to act upon the ongoing revelation of God in our time and in our place. It's almost right out of John 16 that there's, there's more to know about God than you know now. But the Spirit will reveal that to you as you go. This building was built in 54, and we've experienced more of God since then. That building was built in 74, and we've experienced more of God since then. Those have been good times in our church, and now we live in 2019. So how do we discern and act upon God's revelation of now? You see, we as a church of church fathers and church mothers are a work in progress. All bear the image of God, seeing and seeing that changes us. It changes how we pray, how we love, how we participate, how we protest, what we believe, and how we behave. To close the loop, I did a little more research on this Father Knows Best phenomenon and Robert Young, who died in 1998. I read some of his obituary from the Washington Post written by Tom Shales, you know, who used to be a writer for the Washington Post. He wrote in the obituary, in his later years, Robert Young revealed that his public image was in direct contrast to his private life, in which it included a 30-year battle with alcoholism and depression. Robert Young uh, tried to commit suicide one time. Young began to speak more of what had bothered him. He spoke publicly in his last years about the issues and personal struggles. And then says Tom Shales, By allowing the public to know that he was a fallible human being, he helped encourage others to forgive themselves and to seek help for the problems facing their lives. Young worked for the passage of an Illinois tax referendum a property tax that supported mental health programs in his home state. Rock Island, Illinois, honored him by naming the Robert Young Center for Community Mental Health in his honor. By acknowledging his weaknesses and shortcomings, Robert Young, a father knows best, proved to have genuine courage and great strength. How about that? How about that as a gift on Father's Day? Maybe the fathers who know best are the fathers who give their best, the ones who know that they are a work in progress. And working with God, God accompanies them every step of the way, one day at a time. Amen.
is our tradition that when a word is offered, a time of invitation and dedication uh, comes next. And this is it, of how is God leading us to become more of who God has already made us to be. Since we spoke of the Holy Spirit as part of this triune God whom we love, we sing at 290, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Let's stand together and sing.
Each time we gather, I bring celebrations and concerns to you and some announcements. I want to bring a few to you uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, for those who are taking part in the Tolliver County Mission this week, Touching Tolliver with Love, during the last hymn that we sing, if you'll come up on the last stanza, if you'll just walk right up here with James during the last stanza, we want to have a special time of benediction and blessing for you, so do that when the time comes. Also, you may have noticed on the way in, either side, evidence of a lemonade stand that's outside. We're doing a dollar for Tolliver. Our children are going to be selling lemonade outside. So if you can make your way that way uh, to give a dollar for Tolliver and for missions. And children, you can go right now with Miss Andrea to help her set up. We'd appreciate that. And that'll be during the whole summer. A lot to celebrate, as you heard. Where's Don Janney? Don Janney, right behind me. You may have noticed a special glow about him. Already previewed that he's a new grandfather. Wilder Holbrook Armsby was born yesterday, healthy, and mama healthy, and you're healthy, Sid's <laughs> healthy. Everybody's just rejoicing. We rejoice with you. A lot of prayers have gone into the time leading up to this. So know that we love you, them, and we're with you. And so glad, as you heard, for those who are recovering for Radar and JB are back. Um, our prayers have been with you these last uh, weeks as, as you've recovered, uh, as prayers are with the many that we've mentioned uh, by name that you carry with you. The offertory hymn that you're about to hear, Lord of all, to thee we raise this, our joyful hymn of praise. May that come out in your heart as you lift the hymn of praise as our choir helps us continue our worship with the giving of tithes and offerings.
all-loving God, bring us safely into this week and lead us every day through it. All of us blessing us on this Trinity Sunday through the salvation of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit, enjoying the creation you have given us. Bless us and these tithes and offerings, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We come to a time of blessing and sending of those that are going to Tolliver this week. Actually, have a pretty large group going, and ev- 21, and evidently they are already there. <laughs> uh, and so those of us who are here today, uh, I'm going to do a blessing, and you bless us as we go, and then we're going to go to the Art and Soul classroom where there is a ton of stuff, a C-130 load of stuff, to carry all the way to Tolliver so you can uh, help us load it. So, for
for those who are going. May God give you fortitude and faithfulness. May the recreation outside not be too hot. And may the crafts and the art be just right. May the playing be play and the learning be learning. And may God's Holy Spirit encourage and bless each of us. May we bless the children that will meet us there. And as always, the children bless us. We pray for blessings on Shante and Alicia, on Jermaine and Jack, on Demarius and Tariana, on Jaquela and Jadziah, and all of those who go. And so let us go in peace, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.